The U.S. Air Force delivers humanitarian aid for Gaza. What does the aid mean amid the Israel-Hamas conflict? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning, we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. Today, the United States airlifted 24.5 metric tons or more than 54,000 pounds of UN humanitarian supplies to provide vitally needed medical supplies, warm clothing and food and nutrition assistance to the people of Gaza. And how a Marine Corps memo caused and how a Marine Corps memo caused the stir among troops transitioning to civilian life. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is November 29th, 2023. First up, the Pentagon announced that the U.S. Air Force delivered thousands of pounds of humanitarian aid to Gaza on Monday. The Pentagon also announced last month it planned to send Israel two Iron Dome missile defense systems, and U.S. military assets have been moved to the region amid the Israel-Hamas conflict as well. President Joe Biden has drawn criticism for supporting Israel. President Biden also said ahead of the recent ceasefire agreement that he thought there should be a humanitarian pause in the war. Therefore, shipment is the first in a series of flights to deliver supplies. For more on this, Military Times Pentagon Bureau Chief Megan Myers joins the episode to talk about the mission. So could you break down this aid mission to Gaza? What assets were used and what kind of aid was flown into the region? So the aid mission included uh, some C-17 Globemasters flying about 54,000 pounds of humanitarian aid to Egypt. That includes medical supplies, some ready-to-eat food, some warm winter clothes, um, and those will be loaded onto UN trucks and then driven into Gaza. That is the first of a series of missions um, that the Pentagon plans to undertake to, uh, to support the UN aid mission in Gaza. And as previously mentioned, this comes as President Biden has been supportive of Israel in its war against Hamas. So what are Pentagon and administration officials hoping for, hoping that this aid will do? So it's really not a sort of an either or proposition to support Israel and Gaza. Um, you know, the war is between Israel and Hamas. And so the U.S. has decided that in addition to sending um, military aid to Israel, that it also wants to help in getting humanitarian aid into Gaza during this sort of operational pause between um, Israel and Hamas. In other news, a policy document released in October about a military-to-civilian transition program in the Marine Corps caused quite a stir. Marine Corps Times reporter Irene Lowenson joins the episode today to talk more about that. So, Irene, could you first tell us what the SkillBridge program is at the center of this discussion? So the way SkillBridge works is service members in their last couple of months on active duty, up to six months being the DOD's standard, can work in full-time internships, essentially, in civilian workplaces, in any number of fields. Those civilian workplaces get those service members labor for free, and they get to, it, it's, it's a way for them to scope out if they might want to hire those service members in the future full-time. Meanwhile, those service members get the opportunity to gain new skills, learn about what it means to work in a civilian workplace, and potentially make the connections to get a job at that given workplace. But during their time on SkillBridge, 
service members aren't working at their military jobs. So various military services have talked about the need to balance preparing transitioning service members for the world beyond the military with maintaining military readiness by making sure that there are enough people in the military jobs that they would otherwise be doing if they weren't on skill bridge. But the idea is it's a win-win for civilian employers and service members who are leaving the military. And so you reported that the Marine Corps released a memo about the program that ruffled feathers among Marines. What were the details of that policy document slash memo? So in mid-October, the Marine Corps published a new document in its list of publications. So it was on the website, along with the doctrine and several orders. And what it did was it cut the possible time that a Marine could be on the Skillbridge program from six months, which is the DOD maximum, to four or three months, depending on the Marine's rank. And for some Marines who were transitioning out or preparing to transition out, that caused some confusion or some consternation because some opportunities in Skillbridge require five or six months in the program. Some people had already signed up for those longer opportunities via Skillbridge. And at some Marine installations, Marine points of contact for the Skillbridge program were alerting Marines of the change and getting them prepared for all of this. And then the Marine Corps took the document down from its website. And a Marine spokeswoman told me that the document was released prematurely. That the Marine Corps is assessing its Skillbridge policy, but um, hasn't made any changes to the its previous guidance of, yeah, you can spend six months in the program. The Marine Corps did respond to my press inquiry about this and um, has since, after the, the article came out, posted something on LinkedIn about it. But as far as I know, there wasn't much communication from the from the Marine Corps to the force. At least there wasn't a MAR admin, a Marine administrative message, which is the typical way of alerting Marines of policy changes. So I, I think it, it caused some confusion. And so what's going on right now? Well, for now, at least, the official Marine Corps policy is commanders have to abide by the old guidance, which is Marines can be on skill bridge for a maximum of six months. But It seems, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, right? But it seems from the way that the Marine Corps has talked about it that there is a reassessment of this policy. This new policy was written in the first place, so it may not be the final, final new policy, but Marines may wonder whether there will be cuts to skill bridge in the future. Also on your radar for today, the Navy said it has removed nearly all the fuel from a P-8A Poseidon plane that overshot a Hawaii runway and landed in an environmentally sensitive bay, but it doesn't have a timetable for when it will get the aircraft out of the water. None of the nine people on board the Poseidon were injured when it landed in Kanahoe Bay on November 20th, but there was an estimated 2,000 gallons of fuel on board the Poseidon. And the bay is home to coral reefs, an ancient Hawaiian fish pond, and a breeding ground for hammerhead sharks. Here's why it matters. The Navy has come under intense scrutiny in Hawaii for its environmental stewardship and transparency after jet fuel leaked from a World War II-era fuel storage facility into Pearl Harbor's drinking water in 2021. Some 6,000 Navy personnel, their dependents, and civilians complained of physical ailments after the spill. After mounting pressure, the Navy agreed to drain the tanks, an operation that is currently underway. 
The Navy has three temporary floating barriers around the PAA aircraft at its resting spot to prevent any potential fuel spill or other contaminants from polluting the ocean. The Navy hasn't had indications or reports that any fuel leaked from the plane, and fuel removed from the plane was tested and did not have water in it. The commander who is leading the service's mobile diving and salvage unit at the site said the plane was sitting on a mixture of coral and sand. The plane rises a little with the tide, so the full weight of the plane is not on the coral. Military leaders are studying ways to remove the plane. First is to float it and get it within range of a crane on the runway, and then it would be lifted onto the runway and set down on its landing gear, which is reportedly still in good condition. Or the second option is to float it on top of cylinders and roll it up onto the runway. And now here's some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. The Air Force announced it tapped 22.5% of eligible troops for promotion to Chief Master Sergeant. It's the highest selection rate for the most senior rank an enlisted airman can attain since 2016. The Guardian reported that North Korea claimed its recent launch spy satellite photographed the White House and the Pentagon. In case you missed it, a World War II veteran completed a tandem jump this week alongside Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And Politico reported that the CIA and other intelligence agencies reportedly used information gathered by monitoring the electronic communications of foreign weapons manufacturers to stop several shipments of advanced weapons parts to Iran by land, air, and sea. And on this day in history, in 1967, President Lyndon B. Johnson announced that Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara would resign to become President of the World Bank. McNamara played a major role in the United States' involvement in the Vietnam War. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com ebb to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Simone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by Megan Myers, Irene Lowenson, and the Associated Press. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Gruse. Have a great day.